It's Erica Henry, Network Pastor of the Holy District. So good to be with you this week on another episode of the Holy District Podcast. This week, we're taking on a new practice that I'm calling the practice of gratitude. Now, I don't know that gratitude is considered an official spiritual discipline like silence or solitude, but man, I have really found that actually finding ways to practice the art of gratitude in my life and in my spirituality has really made the difference for me in shifting my perceptions and experiencing the goodness of God. So I'd love to invite you into what I call the practice of gratitude and hope that it does the same thing for you. Let's do it. Okay, so before we jump into the nuts and bolts of what I like to call the practice of gratitude, I want to do a little bit of level setting and reflecting on some norms that I found out that I had come to accept or some assumptions that I held that were really keeping me back in my efforts to grow spiritually, um, to mature, to build emotional resilience even when I wanted to, and I was trying really, really hard to do that. And really it was this assumption that I have, maybe you have it, that the way that we change is by thinking our way into new ways of being or acting. So if I was struggling with something, I, with a behavior, an action, a feeling, a reaction to a person or a situation that I didn't like about myself, but I had come to an awareness of. What I tended to do was to go look for information and knowledge about what I wanted to do different or um, how people who didn't struggle with this did it. Um, I really had this feeling like if I just knew the right things and I knew it well enough and I understood information about this issue, then I would be able to act differently. And there are some things in my life that that obviously does work for. I mean, if you want to learn how to cook a meal, then you do need to get information like a recipe in order to start to build your skills around how to cook. And and a chef eventually would know so much information that they wouldn't need a recipe maybe anymore, or they would be able to create new things because of the knowledge base that they developed. But what I was noticing was that that didn't work in every area of my life, especially when it came to issues of, like I said, faith, growth, emotional reactivity, and just maturity in general. And so now I've come to understand this process a little differently. 
Rather than expecting that I need to think my way into new ways of acting, I have learned to flip that script and expect that I probably need to act my way into new ways of thinking. And that might sound a little weird to you. I get it. I would venture to say that a lot of recent data about how our brains work and how our brains are connected to our bodies and our emotions would back up this intuition that I think many have had for a long time. But still, that feels kind of counter to our very information-heavy and information-saturated culture. And, and it's not that I'm saying that you can just will yourself to behave in a way that you aren't prepared to behave. Rather, this is really a big argument for the value of practice, as we've been talking about so far in this series. And I think this is a place where really skillful experts in a particular craft like athletics or instruments or any kind of performance would, would really resonate with this because each of these kinds of people would, would say, yeah, I don't just show up on stage or on the court or wherever that performance may need to happen and expect that I'm going to be able to do the thing that I want to do really well if I haven't spent time off stage or off court really getting my reps in, really running the scales, whatever it might may be in that particular area, there is an intentionality to build muscle memory. There's an intentionality to learn the fundamentals and put yourself through the paces so that whenever the moment for performance or an action comes, that your body and your mind have been through this so many times that when the moment comes, you're ready to just flow into the need and the expertise that's required of you. And I really wonder if many of us are going through our lives wanting to live and respond and react and choose and make good decisions, do all of these things in a different way than maybe feels like a default to us. And we don't have any space in our life where we give ourselves room to put ourselves through the paces, to practice our scales, to get that muscle memory established. So we keep on getting stepping onto the stage, having had no opportunity to prepare, then feeling frustrated and disappointed and maybe even ashamed of ourselves whenever we keep coming up with the same responses. And that's kind of what this whole series is about, that life, uh, a life of faith, is not just about trying to will yourself to do the right thing or stay in God's good graces, but it's a journey and it's an invitation into a new way of being that has included into that way of being practices that we can do on our own and within community that will begin to build a different kind of muscle memory, that will begin to develop a set of skills and a sense of expertise in something that feels very different than what everyone else tends to do. The values of the kingdom of God and the wisdom of the scripture that we study together and, and the way that Jesus models being human for us becomes a template 
with which we can practice if we would give ourselves the space and the time. And practice for an athlete is going to look different than practice for someone who is setting an intention to grow in their emotional maturity or their faith, but only on the surface. All of those basics are going to be the same. You can think about visualization. You can think about uh, role-playing and modeling. You can think about study. All of those things are a part of developing a practice that really helps to shift our ways of being. And that would be one goal that I have for myself and, and maybe you might like to take on for yourself that the life of faith where we develop practices like solitude and Sabbath and maybe gratitude, as we're going to talk about today, would begin to develop in us an, a, a muscle memory that starts to feel so normal and comfortable so that whenever we get into tense and anxious situations in our lives, we can default not into the cultural norms that are surrounding us or maybe um, unhealthy ways that we learn to deal with anxiety or conflict, but we would have this practice that actually gives us access to this flow, this state of flow where our response comes from our muscle memory that the Holy Spirit and the power of Jesus has been developing in us as we just make these small steps to integrate practice into our lives. And with that being said, I do think that the practice of gratitude can be a very fundamental or foundational practice that would support us in developing this kind of muscle memory and so many other aspects of our life. So let's talk about that together. it would be fair to say that the idea of gratitude is one with which we are all pretty familiar. Um, just for the sake of being on the same page, the definition of gratitude is the quality of being thankful, readiness to show appreciation for and to return kindness. And so this is something that I think is important for me to de develop in my life. And it's become even more important as different changes in my life have brought new opportunities for anxiety. I have found over the last few years, especially during the pandemic, I was pregnant during the pandemic. I was pregnant with my now almost two-year-old uh, during the pandemic after an early pregnancy loss. And I found that uh, all these combinations of stresses and fears and suffering created a lot of anxiety for me. It raised my anxiety baseline to a point that I had not really experienced in my life. And I found myself experiencing all throughout my pregnancy and early in my motherhood experience, just a lot of intrusive thoughts about um, and fear of loss when it came to my little one. 
And this practice of gratitude that I'm going to share with you became a really important tool for me as I was processing through this. And I think the reason why is because, at least for me, I have come to see that gratitude can be an antidote for anxiety. Now, I want to be clear. I do not have an anxiety disorder. And what I'm going to share with you, just one or two ways of practicing gratitude, I am not um, suggesting that this is a cure for any kind of uh, anxiety disorder or long-term chronic anxiety that requires support through therapy and medication and and different things like that. Uh, More of what I'm saying is for acute anxiety or for the kinds of situations that I just described like I was going through, I hope that perhaps this small practice of gratitude might support you and giving your mind and body a chance to connect with Jesus and experience a reframe of your perception that would give a healthy space for your fears and your anxieties to land and uh, maybe even to metabolize those in a way that you can process through them using the practice of gratitude. Now, okay, so what do I mean by that? I can't remember where I learned this. I'm sure someone smart um, shared this or I read it somewhere cool. Uh, Sorry, I wish I could give credit. But um, I, I remember really grasping onto this idea that the things that bring us anxiety are typically the things that we care the most about and that we value the most. And typically, the more that we love or value someone or something, the greater potential we have to experience anxiety or fear of loss for that person or thing. And so that's obviously demonstrated well in what I was sharing with you, that I had experienced a pregnancy loss. I was um, very excited to have a healthy pregnancy and to be progressing with a healthy pregnancy. And at the same time, because I so valued this new life that was being formed and the uh, looking forward to the idea of being a mom and having a a child, I also found myself being very vulnerable to fears of loss. And like I said, that amplified even more after after the baby came as I began uh, thinking about all the craziness in this world. And we have all endured quite a bit. We've endured a lot of violence. We've we've endured uh, in the last couple years mass shootings, um, racially motivated attacks, uh, war on an international scale. We have a lot that presents itself to, um, to cause us to feel anxious. And as a, as a mother, I had, I was experiencing that in a, in a brand new way. And so this idea that perhaps there, there's a connection between the things that we most love and value and the things that might bring us anxiety kind of presents with, presents us with a hack And this is a practice that I started to really get used to and and really try to put into my life that I'm going to offer to you. Anytime that I started to feel scared or anxious about what might happen to Alexi or my husband for that matter or the people that I love, what I would begin to recognize and then start to practice is, oh, I feel so anxious about X 
because I love them so much and I'm so grateful that I have them in my life. And that small pivot, that small mental movement that I intended to do and practiced and even just in my mind as an acknowledgement became really important to me. So anytime that I felt anxiety, like I began to think about, oh, what if, what if Alexi got sick or what if something terrible happened to him? Then I would take a breath and then I would say to myself, you don't know what might happen, but you are so grateful that you have Alexi now and it's so wonderful to be his mom. And that would help me then begin to think about all of the things that I love, how wonderful and how much I appreciate Alexi in my life and how much joy I have right now in the present moment when none of those things that I'm fearing are actually happening. And I, so in this, this practice enables me to shift my imagination from imagining the worst case scenario. The practice of gratitude then flips a switch for me where I can use my imagination to remember and recollect everything that's actually true in the present that brings me joy and uh, is a, a value in my life. And so I don't know what this might look like for you. I don't know if there's an error in your life where you find that you're feeling anxious and whether or not you can, you can trace that anxiety back to some core value or some deep love that you have for that person. Maybe it's a pet. Maybe it's a loved one. Maybe it's a friend. You find yourself uh, feeling anxious about that person or that relationship or that something bad might happen. Maybe you find yourself just waiting for the other shoe to drop. Then I would just offer that small practice that you can do any time that you have a thought to say, wow, I'm anxious because I love this person or pet or whatever it might be so much. And I'm so grateful that it's in my life or that they're in my life. And, and then allow yourself to begin reflecting and meditating upon what, what this person or relationship or thing brings to your life that brings you joy. I wonder if that'll work for you. It, it really has done wonders for me. Of course, there are other really practical ways that you could practice gratitude. If you're someone that likes to journal, you could decide to spend five minutes at the end of every day or the beginning of every day writing down everything that you're grateful for. That would be something very simple that you can add into your life to help get those juices flowing and developing that muscle memory. There's actually a phrase in psychology that's called the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon that I think gives a grounding for this kind of a practice. And the example that people use to demonstrate this is often how, you know, like when you buy a new car and you never really saw any cars like that before, but now that you bought this car, you see that car everywhere. This is something that has been studied scientifically and basically has been found that our subconscious is so selective in what it pays attention to that it actually keeps us from seeing things that it hasn't been conditioned to prioritize. And so in this case, with the car, now that you have this car, you value this car, you know this car, your subconscious is going to actively pay attention to this car and cars that look like it. 
And I, I think this transfers over to if you are used to contemplating things in your life that create fear and anxiety, then your subconscious is going to become attuned to risks, threats, and the things that you might fear could happen. Whereas if you start to make space in your mind and in your thought life for the things that you're grateful for, then your subconscious can become attuned to look for and notice those things and have a similar effect as the car situation, the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon. I hope I'm saying that right. And so there you go. Those are just a couple simple ways that you can try adding a practice of gratitude to your life and see if it starts to reshape your imagination and your experience of what you have in your life to be grateful for and how those things are bringing you joy. I have one more gratitude exercise that I would love to introduce you to through an experience, and that's how we're going to wrap up our show. So I want to go ahead and invite you to all of the things I love inviting you to at the end of every episode. If you would like to reach out and talk with someone about this practice or spiritual practice in general, or just what's going on in your life and your desire to grow spiritually, you can reach out to us and schedule a spiritual direction session um, at our website, www.holydistrict.org. There you can also find out about our neighborhood gatherings and how you can participate and just learn more about how the Holy District might intersect with your life's purpose. We would love to connect you connect with you on social media as well. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Rediscover Sacred. We'd love to hear from you. And so now I'm going to leave us in this last uh, few minutes of the podcast with one of my most favorite people who I really hope that I can become more like as I grow up. And that person is the beloved Mr. Rogers. There's a moment in an acceptance speech that he shared that has become um, iconic. And in it, he leads everyone watching and experiencing that moment with him into a practice of gratitude. So I offer to you, Fred Rogers. Oh, it's a beautiful night in this neighborhood. <laughs> so many people have helped me to come to this night. Some of you are here. Some are far away. Some are even in heaven. All of us have special ones who have loved us into being. Would you just take, along with me, 10 seconds to think of the people who have helped you become who you are. Those who have cared about you and wanted what was best for you in life. 10 seconds of silence. I'll watch the time. whomever you've been thinking about, how pleased they must be to know the difference you feel they've made. You know, they're the kind of people television does well to offer our world. Special thanks to my family and friends and to my coworkers in public broadcasting, family communications, and this academy 
for encouraging me, allowing me all these years to be your neighbor. May God be with you. The Holy District is a growing network of people in the United States who are finding creative ways to live integrated, Jesus-centered lives in their communities, with their communities, and for their communities. We're dedicated to rediscovering the sacred and everyday spaces where we already live, work, and play, and we're so glad you're on this journey with us.